If it's Tuesday, it's not an ordinary Tuesday. This is a special edition. Meet the press daily. Meet the midterms. Midterm election. Midterm. Major midterm election. Midterm correction. Midterms. Motivation controls midterms. The fight for control of Congress, governor's mansions, and state houses coast to coast is now underway. The barriers they put in our way are not going to stop us from getting our way. Can Democrats turn the tide as Republicans bet on a big wave? I think you're going to see a big, big victory for Republicans in the midterms. At stake, not just the Biden presidency, Democrats argue, but democracy itself. Will the voters agree? I will allow no one to place a dagger at the throat of democracy. We are the United States of America. It's time to meet the midterms. Any way for Democrats to change this trajectory? Are they going to rely on Trump to do it for them? Here's some of my interview on Meet the Press from Sunday with House Majority Whip Jim Clyburn. What do you need from the president to improve Democrats' chances in 2022? I think he's on message, stay on message. Don't let people get him off message. You know, my father was a fundamentalist minister. He used to say to me all the time, son, uh, the darkest hour of the night is that moment just before dawn. Dawn. So, yes, things may look dark. Keep pressing. As we know, John McCain had his own version uh, of that when he'd say it's always darkest before it goes totally black. It was a him apparently, or at least trying to make a joke in quoting Mao. The question is, is this dark on its way to light? I want to show you uh, something that we're unveiling here. We're calling it the Meet the Midterms dashboard. And what it's going to tell you is that it's going to tell you what shape, where are we headed for the party in power? We have four uh, columns here shellacking, as you can see, previous midterms, 2010, 2014, 94, all midterms where uh, where, where one party, the party out of power, picked up seats in both chambers. 18 just missed being a shellacking because Republicans, while they lost a bunch of House seats, picked up a, a Senate seat there. And, and then 98 and 02 were places where the party in power actually picked up seats. So I'm going to show you how we determine this and how you can follow national poll numbers. Basically, there are three poll numbers you can follow nationally that will tell you the likely shape of these midterm elections is direction of the country, right track, wrong track, the presidential job rating, and the generic ballot. Let me just show you what these numbers were in sort of three different types of election cycles. I'll start with what a good election cycle for a party in power is. This was President Bush's first one right after 9-11. The wrong track was under 50%. A majority of the country thought we were heading in the right direction. Presidential approval over 60%. The generic ballot, the Republicans had a one-point advantage, and look what it turned into. They picked up a Senate seat, and which, of course, gave them the Senate, and they picked up eight House seats. Now, let's go to uh, what President Obama called a shellacking, if you will, and that was in 2010. Look what happened here. Wrong track, well over 50%, 60% wrong track number. Presidential approval was sitting at 45. Congressional preference, Republicans plus two, and look what it turned into. 63 House seats for the Republicans, six Senate seats. They came up short in the Senate, so it was a, a sense of surviving. Now, let me take you to 2018, which I hinted at before. You can see these numbers. Wrong track, a little before, little below what it was in 2010, as you saw there, 54%. A majority thought we were in the wrong track. Presidential approval was at 46. It actually had ticked up for, for Trump a little bit. Maybe the reason why Republicans survived in that midterm in places like Georgia and Florida. 
congressional preference there, D plus seven, and it led to those House seats. So all that, I give you all that background so that you can see where things stand now. Our most recent NBC Wall Street Journal poll, excuse me, the NBC News poll at the end of last year, and I'll show you where things were. So on direction of the country, 70% wrong track. That's in big time shellacking territory. You look at the presidential job rating as of our last poll here. Hang on a minute. And as you can see, his approval sitting at 42. Again, that would put Democrats in shellacking territory. And let's take you to the generic ballot here. Here, the Democrats plus two. That puts you somewhere in no man's land. A lot of strategists will tell you Democrats have a anything three points or less for Democrats probably means Republicans pick up seats. So they need to be in that five, six, seven point advantage for them to be in that in that area. We're going to have another NBC News poll coming out. By the end of this week, we will update this. But as you can see, those are the three numbers. And right now, two of the three that we track are sitting there in shellacking territory. So big time shellacking from the lips of Chuck Todd on the flagship MSNBC and NBC's flagship political show, Meet the Press, with all the great music at the front. Tim Russert's show, it's been around, I don't know, 50 years the flagship show, he goes through analysis. As you know, being part of the War Room Posse, those numbers are even worse because what they did, they took the blended, which is the average. When you break out the independence, it gets even worse. Big time shellacking when you look at two of the three uh, indicators they've got. So we're going to get more into that. Uh, meet the press. Following the War Room kicked off today. Chuck Todd kicked off his midterms. His midterm coverage, and this is going to be intense, as we called it on uh, January 1st. We said this is the valley of decision for the entire country, not just this election. But this election is going to be absolutely uh, vital and important. Chuck Todd, I think, said it's the most important midterm election, at least of this century and probably more. Okay, you're in the war room. It's Tuesday, 18 January, year of the Lord, 2022. We've got a lot of breaking news today, and we've got to, we've got to chop a lot of wood, so I want to go to immediately. I had a whole rant on midterms, we're going to have to put a pin in that. We're going to come back to that. I want to go up to uh, the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania and President Pro Tem of the Senate, Jake Corman. Uh, Jake joins us today. Uh, Senator Corman, uh, you sent a letter uh, to the mm-hmm. House of Delegates or House of Representatives in the Commonwealth <laughs> requesting they move on the impeachment of the mm-hmm. District Attorney of Philadelphia. What, what, what's this pretty dramatic move? What's going on? Yeah, look, it's it's fairly unprecedented, and it's a sorry state that we had to take this. Uh, I had to take this position, but uh, we have a crisis in Pennsylvania of crime. Uh, Philadelphia broke an all-time record uh, of murders uh, this year. Uh, over 560 uh, uh, people were killed on the streets of the city of Philadelphia uh, last year. Um, you know, there's just lawlessness everywhere. Uh, petty crimes aren't being aren't being uh, prosecuted anymore. It's uh, hard to have a business in the city of Philadelphia. That crime is now moving out, migrating out into into the suburbs. Uh, and you just have a district attorney who has the belief that he, he shouldn't be prosecuting crimes. Uh, you know, 20% of the violent crimes committed with a gun uh, were not prosecuted this year, or only 20% were prosecuted. And of that 20%, less than 10% actually uh, came up in a conviction. Uh, so it's just a, a, a culture of violence in the city of Philadelphia. Um, you know, it, it, I, I take this step very carefully because the, the DA was just reelected last November, and you like the voters to take care of this. Uh, but the residents and the, and the visitors and the people who work in the city of Philadelphia are citizens of the Commonwealth. Uh, and if the district attorney and the local officials aren't going to protect them, then the state needs to step in. Uh, and so I think by the House beginning uh, impeachment proceedings, 
to um, begin to look and investigate this district attorney and his policies and how it's led to a culture of crime. Uh, we had a young woman, uh, or I should say a grandmother, who said she now has to teach her children how to drop, roll, and stay down uh, every time they hear a gunshot. Now, imagine that in America today. You know, we're not talking about Afghanistan. You know, we're not talking about Iraq. Uh, but in America today, grandparents are teaching their grandkids to drop, roll, and stay down uh, when they hear gunfire. That is a scary situation that we have in Philadelphia. Uh, and it takes leadership to change, and, and that's what I'm trying to provide. I saw where I think his name is Milan Lancor was a young man lived near Temple University, a recent graduate engineering mm -hmm. student was uh, walking his dog and stopped by a couple of assailants. Uh, they checked his pocket. I don't think I think he had his cell phone was gunned down in cold blood. It turns out one of the assailants or at least alleged assailants had just been had been uh, 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 incarcerated yeah. uh, under suspicion of a violent crime, but let out for, for a de minimis bail. Is that also part yeah. of the problem? Is, is, is yeah, I mean, you had 100 percent. Look, you had um, a carjacking. Uh, that this person was uh, with with a, with a gun. Uh, this person was accused of. Uh, the, the DA let him out. Uh, and so what happens? He does it again, and he kills the student. You know, here you are. You're, you're a senior in college. You're just about ready to start the rest of your life. And you're coming back to, to Philadelphia from break. I was a Temple student at, at one point in time. You know, I have a daughter in college. Uh, yeah, what what us? You know, how do we justify this to their to his parents? Uh, that you know, we had the we had the perpetrator in custody, and we decided, you know, and the DA decided to let him out. Uh, it's just an unexplainable situation and you know, just a tragic situation. Uh, but you know, I would imagine every one of those 560 plus uh, murders that took place over the last year uh, all have their own tragic story. Uh, and this district attorney has said publicly, we don't have a crime problem in Philadelphia. Former mayor of Philadelphia, Democrat, African-American, uh, Michael Nutter, really took him to task in an op-ed piece, uh, essentially accusing uh, the DA of white privilege uh, that because you know, these were black and brown kids were being murdered, that he didn't care. Uh, so it's not just Republicans, that's Democrats as well to think this DA uh, has just uh, made a culture of violence in Philadelphia, uh, which is ruining the city. He's an elected official. So so I know people, particularly you're in a race uh, to get the nomination to, for governor. The attorney general mm -hmm. is is attorney general Shapiro. People might say, hey, this is uh, Senator Corman playing politics. Did you reach out to anybody on the Democratic side? Did you think about holding hearings? I mean, it's a pretty dramatic move. For the president sure. pro tem of the Senate, just send a letter to the House to say, hey, you guys get off the dime here and let's you should start uh, look at the evidence, look at the facts and start uh, start uh, impeachment proceedings against an election right. official in, in a city like as big as Philadelphia, one of the biggest cities in the country and most important cities in the world. Did you reach out to anybody? Was there any process or this just yeah. you had uh, enough look, of it? Before and just I did went this. Before I did this, I talked to a lot of the legislators both in and around Philadelphia before I you know, moved on this, and, and they were all very supportive. Uh, they know what this community ha has become. Uh, look, this is a very public process. Uh, it's a very public process that, you know, the House begins it. Uh, you know, they'll do their investigation. Uh, they'll hold, you know, their process or ultimately file articles of impeachment. Uh, once they are ultimately passed by the House, if they are, it comes to the Senate for a trial. Uh, and we'll need two-thirds of a vote. So we'll need Democrats to vote to ultimately remove uh, this DA from office. And, you know, I would just hope that Democrats look at this as, you know, are we protecting sort of the the um, progressive movement, which everyone's scared of in the Democratic Party, or are we going to protect our communities? Because clearly, clearly, I mean, almost two-thirds of the employees of this district attorney's office have left since he began as mayor. Now, imagine that. Two-thirds of the attorneys in the DA's office uh, almost have left uh, employment of the DA's office because of the culture that he's created. Uh, you know, so, it, you know, you just go up and down the line. It's, it's, it's a bad situation. This is a drastic step and one I don't take lightly. 
uh, but one that I thought uh, was necessary. Is this DA one of the DAs has been sponsored like in New York City and like in Los Angeles, and now we're finding the state of Texas with yes. this election situation? Yeah, 100%. Uh, is, this, he, is, is he sponsored by sport? Is this a Soros guy? Yes. I mean, he, he, he ran on that platform four years ago. He won re-election, unfortunately. Uh, but, you know, and, and again, we've always been very respectable to the voters and this was their decision. Uh, but, you know, this this situation has gotten to such a crisis. And if people want to play, tell me I'm playing politics, I'll wear that as a badge of honor as long as it brings uh, attention to this situation. We are in a crisis uh, in Philadelphia. And as I said, it's migrating out past Philadelphia to the suburbs. And as you said, I mean, now you're seeing you know, in Manhattan, you're seeing in other states and people have to realize what the consequences are of these types of policies. Uh, the consequences are just terrible. They're tragic situations all over the place. Uh, and it's time that we bring attention to it, time we put this on public display uh, through a, a hearing process, uh, through ultimately a trial, hopefully, in the Senate. Uh, and so everyone can see what, what these policies and what these types of things are doing to Philadelphia. So hopefully it doesn't happen to other places around the country did, as well. Did you, you would think, and I understand the structure in Philadelphia and the Commonwealth's different, mm-hmm. but did you reach out to Attorney General Shapiro? I mean, in the natural order of reporting up, and I understand technically it doesn't, but isn't this fall into the bailiwick of Attorney General Shapiro? Well, and have you had a conversation with him? Uh, I have not had a conversation with him. A couple of years ago, we gave the, the Attorney General the ability uh, through legislative statute to go in uh, and take jurisdiction over cases in Philadelphia uh, if he deemed appropriate. Uh, he has not taken any action on that. He's never gone in and exercised that power. Uh, we've had U.S. attorneys go in uh, and take jurisdiction uh, to try to get some convictions uh, in the city of Philadelphia. But to date, the attorney general has not exercised that. Actually, that authority has run out. And we talked about whether we should renew it. Uh, but, he never, but since he never exercised his power, we didn't feel, you know, the, the, what, was the, what was the purpose of renewing it? We only got a minute here, but real quickly, you yeah. you made it seem like the House is actually going to already. Are, are you certain? Do you have information? Is the House definitely going to move on this? You just the letter. Well, I don't want to. Yeah, I don't want to speak for the House. I, I've had conversations with House members. I've had conversations with House members who are drafting articles of impeachment. Uh, but ultimately, that'll be a House decision. I, I certainly hope uh, that they will. Uh, my letter was to to say that I think this is this situation has become a crisis, uh, and I think they should act. And ultimately, it'll be their decision. Yeah. Okay, Senator Corman, real quickly, how do people find you on social media? How do they find find out about more about yeah. you in this situation? My website is SenatorCorman.com, uh, Facebook, uh, Senator Jake Corman, and on Twitter, at Jake Corman. Senator Corman, thank you very much. We'll be following Thanks, this Steve. closely. Good to be with you. Take care. Thank you, sir. Short commercial break. We're going to go to uh, Mesa County, Colorado, the election official, Tina Peters, in the war room. Next. It's simply there was no place else for money to go but the stock market. The and and so so at some point, it's a game, of Steve, of musical chairs where at some point uh, the big uh, short starts. And now, now yeah. hang on. Yeah. January 2021, I said this would be the year of big shorts. Two weeks ago on this show, and we're going to get a clip of that for the 5 o'clock show, I said I'm going today, I'm going short on this market, Okay. So, so this Bannon's War Room, okay, is is if you, you you can choose to watch CNBC, Bloomberg, or Fox Business, or Bannon's War Room, and this is the only place where you got well, a we short call. call. We... Okay, so that was from uh, your original call is back on November 11th. Let's walk through this. What 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 happened today? Bottom falling out of the market. 
for what reason. I want to walk people through the because we're trying to teach people ca- how capital markets relate to government finance and how that relates to, to their lives. Since you're paying for it, ladies and gentlemen, this is what I want you to embrace. It's your money. And with money comes power and with power comes control. Are we all set on this? We're going to connect one dot after the other. The, the thing that has happened is that people haven't told you you've had power. You have all the power. And, and they don't want you to understand this because they don't want you to use that power. You have all the leverage. Goldman Sachs, M&A Department 101. Who has the leverage in a transaction, in a deal? It would be you, deplorables. Awaken to your own power. Peter Navarro, what's happened here? You and Cortez back at the at – the, we're coming up on one-year anniversary, I think, Thursday – of this illegitimate regime, and uh, you guys called it that afternoon about stagflation. Uh, but, but now we're seeing the, the reality of it, and it's hitting capital markets. Walk through what's going on. Yeah, November 10th, uh, called a short on the market. Uh, basically, Steve, the principle here is that both the stock market and the bond market are leading indicators of where the economy's going. So, for example, when you have the stock market begin to go down, that's going down on an expectation of lower earnings because of slower growth. That's the stag part of stagflation. When you have bond prices plummet, interest rates are inversely related. So bond prices down means interest rates up. That's signaling the inflation part of the stagflation. So all we're doing here, Steve, is like when Cortez and I back in January um, say that there's going to be stagflation over a year ago, and then in November I make the market call. It's basically everything's coming along. It's a Biden-inspired crash. Biden unwound the Trump policies. That's going to slow growth down. Congress and Biden are spending way too much money and being accommodated by the Fed. That's going to drive inflation up. This isn't rocket science. The problem with uh, the, the financial news networks, both Fox Business and CNBC, as well as Bloomberg, they never want him to say the S word, the short word, okay, because it's a big cheerleader for equity markets. But when you see Goldman Sachs drop 8%, the Dow dropped 500 today. And by the way, since I made that call on November 10th, both the Russell and the NASDAQ went down very, very significantly. The Dow and S&P 500 have been kind of like hovering. Now it's like, boom, Katie bar the door. So this is, this is a Biden engineered crash that is coming. It's a slow motion train wreck. I I just want a couple of things people understand when he talks about the Russell index, that's that, that I think they take every stock that trades. That's, Small caps. That's every. That's every. Two thousand. Two thousand companies. Yes. Small caps. Russell, you got the S and P five hundred, yep. which are the top top ones. You got the Dow, which is the industrials, and then the Nasdaq is all the tech, the Amazons, and all of that stuff. And and what you're seeing now um, is each of these markets have taken turns. That the the techs and the small caps led the way from my market call in terms of going down. Now the big caps, the Dow. Um, is catching up to that. But look, the, the point here for your for your viewers, I'm not giving financial advice here. Uh, what I'm telling you is an economic forecast based on the stock and bond market. And, and Steve, the other subtle thing here, a little econ 101, you don't often see 
bond prices and stock prices go down at the same time. They're typically yeah. inversely related yeah. because if stock prices are going down, that's recession. That means interest rates are going down and bond prices are going up. The fact that that's not happening here is the strongest signal of stagflation because stock prices down, stagnation, bond prices down, inflation go down at the same time, stagflation forecast. Um, write that in English. I can't understand it. I'm, my producer's handing me something. Um, I want people also, but here's the more fundamental thing for people in the audience right now, other than capital markets, because capital markets are, are reactive to this. You've had these cheerleaders like Jim Cramer and others, Jamie Dimon, up there cheerleading for Biden's economic plan, which we've said is a disaster. And, and Kramer was on TV saying the greatest economy in his life, in his life, just a couple of weeks ago. This is right now, you got oil at $85 a barrel, right? You, you, they're, they're about to announce the, uh, they're, they're going to re redo the forecast for the first quarter, a slowing of GDP. They just, you could see the hint of that yesterday. The reason Goldman Sachs is so important of missing their earnings, why is that important? Why do we focus on that? Because in this complex financial capital market driven world, who would have a better understanding of it than Goldman Sachs? When they miss earnings that badly, that is a bad – everybody in, in the world, capital markets, and they're going, hey, if the Goldman guys missed it this badly, it's worse than we thought. Okay? That's why the stock's off so much. You have every hey, see, indication let me, let me right say, Yeah, go ahead. See, sure, let me ahead. say one thing about your alma mater here. It's like when, when expectations <laughs> are missed, that's not Goldman inside Goldman missing the expectations. That's the analyst watching Goldman. You can bet yes. your sweet bippy that the people inside Goldman knew exactly what was coming, and they were probably taking appropriate <laughs> countermeasures inside. I'd love to see what they were doing in their own portfolios. But Goldman, look, let's be clear about Goldman Sachs. I know you worked there at one point. You got the hell out of there, uh, and God bless you for that. But Goldman is the big offshore in the sky. Goldman is why we have fragile rather than resilient supply chain. So nobody should shed a tear uh, for, for Goldman Sachs. I think the bigger problem here supply is chain. that what we're seeing now is an across-the-board macro yeah. collapse. And I go back, yeah. I always love to go from the micro up. Here we are in Washington, D.C., Steve. Muriel, Muriel Bowser, the mayor, has killed killed this city. It's like a neutron bomb yep. has hit this place. There's nothing going on. You go to the Safeway, nothing. there's no food it's on the east, shelves. It's, you go it's, to a it's restaurant, tax cards. It's east, it's, you've got it's east stores that are saying we're closed here yep. for the next two hours because we don't have staff. And this is all vax mandates. It's just just Biden incompetence and Muriel Bowser incompetence, you know, Chicago, New York, all of our major cities are creating these service sector refugees that are going to have nowhere to go. Okay. And the markets are catching up to all of this. By the way, the housing the market's the next one to yep. roll over. Big time. There's interest. Let's play. Can we play the supply chain thing from CNBC to reinforce what Navarro's told us? Let's hear CNBC. China's going to do what China's going to do in terms of imposing restrictions. But how much of this could be at least positively impacted by moves that the Biden administration takes? 
I think there's limited possibilities for the Biden administration to solve this problem. Look, what determines prices are the goods on the shelf, the goods back in the warehouse, and the goods on the way from the manufacturer. All three of those things are challenged right now. And so until we build up inventories in the warehouse or from the manufacturer, we're going to have some trouble with prices. It's the reason why the Fed has pivoted, the Federal Reserve has pivoted, and now sees Omicron and virus outbreaks as inflationary. Before, they were worried about the idea that, hey, it would reduce demand. That's not the problem. The problem is it reduces workers. It keeps uh, goods from getting to, to the stores. And so right now, what that means is the Federal Reserve is more concerned about inflation. I'm going to raise interest rates more this year. And that's one of the reasons why the market this morning is taking it on the chin. This is yeah. about the supply. But See, why about don't the they watch supply? the hey. war rooms? You've been saying hang, this hang stuff on, for like... <laughs> yeah. Hang on oh. a second. Hang on a second. Yeah. Harnwell's reporting, you're talking about the spread of Omicron into the port cities of uh, of uh, China. The uh, Zero Hedge with the mother of all supply chain uh, tsunamis is coming. CNBC's finally awoken to that, and now they're nervous. Peter Navarro, take, give us a minute on supply chain, on this inflation, on the firestorm of inflation is just not demand pull by the overprinting of money and spending. It is also on the demand, on the push side, on supply side, which you called the broken supply chain, sir. Well, the, the the universal vax policy was like a death blow at the worst possible time for the supply chain, and it began months ago because you had you had you know truckers, you you had pilots, you had warehouse workers. A certain fraction of that workforce simply would not cooperate with the universal vax policy, and you have like threshold effects. If suddenly in, in a port, things are piling up, it, it becomes impossible to unpile them. That's where we're at now. What we've got is we're, it's coming at us from China now. Tianjin, I can't emphasize how big that port is and how important that port is in terms of the export machine that's called China. And what I see as kind of the next shoe to drop is China is going to begin to protect their own supply chains. They're not going to be shipping us parts so factories can produce here at all. They're going to keep it all there. That's going to exacerbate everything else that we've got. And by the way, this whole Olympics thing, it's it's absolutely critical that those Olympics get get canceled right now because what's going on there? I think think Macbeth said it first and Bannon said it second. Something wicked this way comes. There's something really really bad going on in China right now with some kind of mutation, it looks like. And that's why Beijing is freaking out and closing everything up. You can't get a flight now yeah. from the United States you shouldn't be to, able to China because you they're be fearful of, of what's you're, going on. You're this the guy that you're guy that, oh, Steve. You, you overruled Fauci. You overruled Fauci. Real quickly, how to find you on Getter, the Twitter killer. Real P. Navarro, and it is the Twitter killer. It's, Twitter stock is down since Getter debuted in July. It's gone down 50%. from something like 70 yeah. down to 35. Yeah. So the markets we, the markets tell you yeah. the truth. Okay. We got to bounce. Fantastic call. Go back to work. We're, we'll pull you back out tomorrow morning. <laughs> no, yeah, Dr. this is Peter like Navarro. a vacation, Steve. I'm getting a tan from Dr. the lights. <laughs> Senator Roger Marshall next on Tony Fauci in the war room. War Room Pandemic with Stephen K. Bannon. The epidemic is a demon, and we cannot let this demon hide. War Room Pandemic. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. 
Support the army-piercing shell that is Mike Lindell. Support the War Room apparatus. Go to MyPillow.com. Promo code WARROOM. 50% off the annual bedding sale. Everything to keep you warm during this cold snap. And also now the overstocks. Overstocks are not going to last forever. Go there today. MyPillow.com. Promo code WARROOM. You got towels. You got these. Overstocks are amazing. That's because Mike Lindell has been running around the country uh, trying to get to the bottom of 3 November. Okay. I want to go back to Gates, one of the fire breathers. Big story, you know, we had Liz on here, and the key, and I want to make sure the audience understands, because I understand there might have been a, 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 it's not that we're going to win 100 seats, we're going to add 100 seats. We're going to add 100 seats to the Republican Party right now in the House, have an overwhelming, overwhelming uh, majority, a realignment like 1932. What Liz was talking about was the Tea Party revolt of 63 seats in 2010. They came off Obamacare, but she's right. The people, by and large, got co-opted. Let's be honest. That's why not a lot happened until Donald Trump came on the scene a couple of years later. But now we're talking about a 100-seat increase, and what they're freaking out about, it's called, these articles are called the hardening of the right or the hardening of the Republican Party because of the right. And who's up there? It's Gates. It's MTG. It's Jim Jordan. People, there's no more time for games. Pasobic right now is saying it. it's not the managed decline of our nation, which Trump won on in 16. This is a free fall. This is a free fall. And, they're, and like a wounded animal, they're only going to get more dangerous as they get cornered and start to bleed out. And we said that's what we stood in the breach here after last January 20th last year. If you stand in the breach, contain a hammer of their illegitimacy, they're going to bleed out political capital, and they're going to be able to do nothing. And that's what they've accomplished now. Zero. But down the Ukraine and other places, they're going to try to get us into a shooting war to try to be big shots and be on TV 24-7. Richard Engel told you everything. The lead correspondent for NBC News told you on Friday on Chuck Todd's show, and we cut it for you guys. He said, hey, there's really nothing going on here. Restaurants are open. Bars are open. People think this is kind of the Western media doing this. Richard Engel, not the war room, said that. A guy that's warned us about the Patriot Act and warned about these things that were passed by Republicans, that could be turned against uh, people, and they have been turned against because now we have a national security state who have already said the number one problem they got is domestic terrorists, moms and dads going to school boards to, to, to stop the poisoning of their children. That's the number one problem, not the Chinese Communist Party, right? Not, not to try to the Chinese Communist Party in this war and the economic warfare, information warfare, cyber warfare. No, it's not that. It's domestic terrorists. That's the biggest problem we got. Matt Gates has been a guy. Gates, r- r- Matt, real quickly, I want to make sure people understand th- this horrific story about trying to extort you and your father and your family for, for this. And the connections to the deep state or the administrative state, as I call it, is not deep. It's in your grill because they try to memory hole this. I just want to make sure people understand because you kind of said it in passing. But I want to make sure people understand because you're a target. They're definitely coming. They got to take you out. They got to take MTG out. They got to take Jordan out. They know they got to take the people out there, Trump. They know they got to take people out because you're at the vanguard of holding them accountable. And when Matt Gates's theory of government and the left wing media that covers this can just suck on it, every day is going to be a hearing. Every committee is going to be an oversight committee. Matt Gates. They're trying to take me out. They've indicted you twice, Steve. They're trying to take you out because they know the war room posse is activated to actually go and get this country back realigned and back on the right track. Now, there is a pattern that is consistent through the Russia hoax, through the Ukraine matter, through my matter, through January 6th. And that is that you have these gray operators that are 
adjacent to the intelligence community, former intelligence community people, folks who have that access to the network, and then they go and activate other people to seed a lie or engage in an activity that then gives the national security apparatus the authority to do something that they wouldn't otherwise be able to do. In the Russia hoax, that was the series of lies that were activated by Christopher Steele, by Glenn Simpson, told by Russians. In Ukraine, it was the whistleblower activating Vindman. In my matter, there is someone literally sitting in prison now for trying to extort me and my family on a pile of lies, but he was not acting alone. I'm starting to wonder whether or not what they tried to do to me was extortion or an operation. And more and more, it looks like an operation because the very person that was coordinating with the person who's now in prison is a guy named Bob Kent. He's a member of the intelligence community, former Air Force intelligence officer. And then they even had a former DOJ official involved in this endeavor. And so I'm glad the American people were able to see through it. I'm focused now on this important work ahead when we seize power, because while you're right, this may be a monumental swing for Republicans. It will only matter for our constituents if we make it worth something. And the members of my party who think that we can take control and then go and do a feisty broadband bill with Joe Biden or help him advance his infrastructure agenda are totally disconnected from what our people want. We have to turn every committee in the Congress into an oversight committee. I would give every agency of the Biden administration a colonoscopy. And you know what? I'd commit that we're finally giving Hunter Biden a damn subpoena. I'm tired of listening to Lindsey Graham go on Hannity and say, oh, next week, you know, we'll have Hunter Biden in. No, no, no. Elections are about making new promises to your voters and then keeping them in order, in order to build trust. And the promise we need to make to people is that we are going to expose these fundamental truths with aggressive dogged oversight. But to make that happen, we must jettison the seniority system of selecting committee chairman. The greatest nation in the country, the greatest political movement of our time cannot exclusively be run by a gerontocracy. So get these silver-haired valets for lobbyists out of the way. Give me Madison Cawthorn as a committee chairman. Give me MTG. Give me a Lauren Boebert. Uh, let's make sure that we got folks, even if we don't have the most seniority, that are ready to actually get in the battle and fight. Because far too often, we get power. We go back to the embassy parties. We enjoy the trappings of Washington, D.C. and the special interests and the lobbyists. And then you know what? Our voters don't trust us anymore. That's how you went from the Tea Party movement in 2010 to Barack Obama's reelection in 2012. So I don't want to relive Amen. the Tea Party movement's lack of success. I want to have the electoral success, but then I want to do something about it. And that's probably why they're trying to destroy me, because I actually have a plan and a vision to do it. And more and more people are coming to that every day. All across America, candidates in primaries, they don't want to be more like Mitch McConnell. They want to be more like Marjorie Taylor Greene. And there's a reason. Uh, Congressman Gates, how do people uh, get to you? Because I know this whole Ray Epps situation, the, the whole DeGeneva out name as a cutout, this whole issue that Revolver and Julie Kelly are all about his lawyer being basically an FBI guy. It's going to start to explode over the next couple of days. How do people follow you, sir? I got a podcast called Firebrand. Make sure you listen to it uh, right after War Room. Uh, it's up on Thursday mornings. And then folks can follow me on Getter, at Matt Gates at Rep Matt Gates. And they haven't banned me from Twitter yet. I'm probably shadow banned, but you can still find our content there at the same handles. Congressman Gates, thank you so much for coming on the Worm this morning.
Thank you, Steve. Profound. They're they're completely freaked out, and here's why. This is not your uh, grandfather or father's Republican Party. This is a cutting edge of people that want to get to the bottom of it in reverse. Remember, we're not just about managed decline anymore. This is absolutely a free fall, and look at every aspect of it. Do I have Harnwell up yet in in Rome? Okay, let's go to Ben. I'm going to go to Ben Harnwell and Steve Cortez. By the way, to Peter Navarro, got Navarro and Cortez. They're calling stagflation. And this is why the hedge funds, all the smart hedge funds in the world, at least have grundoons that watch the show or monitor the show and look at the transcripts every day. The, the call back in February of 2020, which ended up being one of the biggest shorts in the world, the, 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 the call of Peter Navarro and Cortez back in November this following year about the peak in the, uh, in the, the stock market is getting blown out again today. This is a reflection of the Biden economy. Remember, and they're running around up on they're running around right now. Here's what they're working on. They're working on another massive stimulus bill. Whether they chop up Build Back Better and try to get pieces in, the government's got to be funded next week. The continuing resolution I think runs out maybe I think it's the second week of February. So they got to figure out how to do that. But right now they're go, they're working on another stimulus bill like the 1.9 trillion. Now it's not going to be that big. But they understand they have to juice the economy. Right now, the Federal Reserve is still printing money. They're still doing quantitative easing. They have not choked any of that down. The reason is the failed economic policies of Biden in one year. And what, and what did Ali Valshi tell, me, tell us? NBC went through who, what's most important? Jobs, the economy, inflation. Bang, bang, bang. The holy trinity of, uh, of uh, madness and destruction, economic destruction at the, hand, at the hands of of the Biden regime. Don't ask, don't take the, don't take Steve Bannon at this or Cortez Navarro, Steve Ratner, a liberal Democrat who's running for secretary of treasury right now, right? Larry Summers. Okay. Former secretary of the treasury. They're all over Biden's guys as being dead wrong. They took the most radical perspective of this, the most radical from New York times op-ed writers and, and the radical French economist uh, on, on modern monetary theory. They took the most radical elements of modern finance, that's the program. And you're seeing it. the bottom's falling out everywhere. And where's Jimbo Kramer, that moron, the cheerleader? Was it three weeks ago? The greatest economy in the history of the earth. That was the greatest economy in my lifetime. This is the clown that wanted to put you in a FEMA camp if you're not getting vaccinated. And the clown that said, dump all your stocks immediately on the day of the financial implosion of 2008 that caused a stock market run. I don't see how CNBC gets away with the liabilities of what this guy does. The greatest economy in world history. Mm, sorry, you clown. And now we're seeing again the, the burning firestorm of the Biden dumpster fire that is everything related to Biden. The illegitimate regime of Joe Biden. What did we tell you a year ago when, when they had the phony uh, inauguration? That we're going to hammer on this legitimacy. The American people awaken to it. Right. And then their radicalness, their incompetence, their recklessness will do the rest. But here's what it is. They ask what Republicans stand for. Here's what we stand for is stopping you from destroying the nation. How about that? Right. We can pick any subset of that on the southern border with uh, with the the mass vaccine vaccine program that everybody tells us is the blunt force instrument we should not be using. Right. The economy, the printing of money, uh, what you've done, and kowtowing to the Chinese Communist Party, pick it. You can pick anything. I can go back through the top 20 of the NBC thing. We pick anyone. Any subset 
we are opposed to you, and we have policy plans and prescriptions of what to do to oppose you. But just as a general overall theme, when you say what we stand for, I don't know what these feckless Republicans stand for. Here's what we stand for in the war room. Stopping you dead in your tracks because you're illegitimate and you've caused nothing but destruction in this nation in any category. And the big, the people that are born the, blunt, born the, uh, the brunt of this are working-class Hispanics and African-Americans. This is why we're on the precipice of a tectonic shift, a tectonic shift along 1932 if we just keep our eye on the ball. If you keep your eye on the ball for November, just keep your eye on the ball. Every day be relentless and commit to people that's going to be a new form of governance. We're going to get to the bottom of everything. What Newt Gingrich said, we can sum it up, we say here on, on the War Room. Preserve your documents. Preserve your documents. From Merrick Garland to the inner circle of Biden to everybody in the House, preserve your documents. Oh, yes, and Swalwell, preserve your used condoms, right? Because we're going to get to the bottom of you trading out this country with a Chinese intelligence agent, okay? Preserve your documents. Preserve your documents. Because new sheriffs will be in town. Marjorie Taylor Greene, Boebert, Gates, Jordan. Right, a murderer's row of investigation and getting to the bottom of it. Okay, we're gonna take a short commercial break. We're gonna go to Rome with updates on the on the mandates, China, all that. We got Steve Cortez here with the economy. Their bottom's blowing out of this thing. We got Boris. We got Navarre. And we got a couple of special uh, surprises in the second hour. Could be back in a moment in the war room. And you are over Cause we're taking down the CCP Spread the word all through Hong Kong We will fight till they're all I see for 2022. What's my outlook? All right, first of all, to me, we have the strongest economy perhaps I have ever seen. Okay, uh, welcome back. Sorry for it had a slight technical problem. Uh, the technical problem is I misread the clock. But hey. I divert my I digress. Um, Peter, how does this one I don't get? Uh, because you've been President Trump's manufacturing guy. You've been the guy going around the country talking about the vaccines and the problem of the vaccines because you wrote the memo to President Trump to get it kicked off and just doing an amazing job. So you're not really spending a thousand percent of your time like you've done before working with hedge funds or working analysis or analytics. How do you get it right on November 10th? And a guy that gets massive dollars and he's on the biggest. You're in the war room, right? He's on CNBC. Yeah. How does Jim Cramer get it 180 out from Peter Navarro? And basically, I think two months after you made the call, sir. There's a bias on Wall Street, basically, to go long and pimp up even when things are going bad. I would maintain it's the worst economy I've ever seen in my lifetime. And let me add to the forecast. I not only called a short on November 10th, I'm going to say this day that there ain't going to be no regular bounce back from whatever bottom you think you're going to hit. Because what's going to happen is you're going to start hearing the touts on CNBC and Fox Business and Bloomberg saying it's a buying opportunity. That's BS. The best we can do here, Steve, is this thing's going down more. And at some point, it's going to plateau. And it can't go up because stagflation is a very different animal than what we usually see. So we're, we're in deep trouble calling for a flat market for a long time, and we haven't yet seen seen the bottom on it. 
Okay, hold on. I want to make sure people understand this. This is just not a market. You have markets and you have the underlying economy. What Peter's saying is unlike what you're hearing everywhere else, and I want to ask you to take two minutes and explain to us why it's the worst economy. You said the stagflation part a year ago during Biden's phony inauguration. Yeah. But the Wall Street, here's the, for everybody out there that you're going to hear these things. It's a buying opportunity, you know, buy the dip, all this crap. There's a, and we're not telling you how to make investment decisions. We just want to give you an old saw from Wall Street. Don't catch a falling knife, okay? Don't catch a falling knife. Peter, the underlying economy as you see it, and what Biden, what you're hearing about what Biden's talking about, another stimulus, breaking up, build back, broke, all of it. Walk us through why you say, Jim Cramer says, the best he's seen in his lifetime. Peter Navarre on the same data saying, I think it's the worst economy I've ever seen. Walk me through that. Well, to start with the Obama-Biden years where they mistook like uh, what was going on structurally in the economy, structural rot, for just a normal downturn of the business cycle. Normal downturn of the business cycle, you just apply Keynesian stimulus, you bounce bad out. That's not what we had after the crash of 07. What we had are structural problems that Donald Trump solved with our five points of the compass, the deregulation, tax cuts, strategic energy dominance, fair trade, and increased defense spending. Those are all growth drivers structurally that got us moving. The problem we have now is the same thing and why, again, stimulus won't work. We have massive structural rot in our economy. You start with the with the impact of, of the CCP virus on our major metropolitan areas. They hit like a neutron bomb on their office buildings or metro centers or entertainment districts, created a, just a massive service sector refugees that aren't trained to fill the jobs that are available. Secondly, and this is huge, Steve, we've got the great resignation going on. People, for whatever reason, a lot of it pandemic, who are in their 50s, and older are taking early retirement. These tend to be the most skilled, high productive workers in the economy. So that's taken out. At the same time, the VAX policy is coming in, Steve, and taking out uh, critical workers who don't want any part of that quasi vaccine. And it's hit, hit our supply chain, particularly acutely. You got like warehouse workers, yep. you got FedEx, you got pilots, all of that stuff. There, you know, We've lost, you, know, you lose 5%, 10% of those, 20%, and, and that's a, pr a problem. Then the supply chains yep. in and of itself are disrupted because of the pandemic, and you're going to see Is China Pete Buttigieg, by the way, we got, we got the port cities city, the Ben yep. Hardenwell called port cities in China. Is Pete Buttigieg, 30 seconds, yep. is Pete Buttigieg going out to San Pedro in LA, in LA Harbor, is he going to solve that in your mind, Dr. Peter Navarro? Yeah, he's going to go out there and, and and have a taco at one of my favorite restaurants out there. There's actually some some nice Mexican restaurants out there that I used to go to. Uh, but he's not going to solve any problems out there. The, the big, but big picture here for, for the War Room Posse uh, is simply that the stock and bond markets are strongly signaling stagflation. There's no question about it. They are doing so because of the underlying rot in the economy. And as you see, these other indicators come in, whether it's yeah. missed earnings forecast okay. or plummeting consumer confidence, whatever it is, okay. manufacturing indices plummeted, everything's yeah. going. And I want to reiterate okay. this, Steve. This is not down and bounce back by the dips. Do not do that. If you hear the touts no. on the financial network say that, 
you, you just look at the TV and say, you don't when, know when Larry what Kudlow, you're talking when about. Larry Kudlow says, buy, when Larry Kudlow says, buy the dips, turn the show. Okay, hold it. Yeah, I yeah. digress again. Real quick. Real quick. Yeah, well, we're gonna get Larry, 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 hang, hang on, hang on, on just don't real go quick. there. Don't go Larry there. Larry was no, pushing no, no, Lehman stop, Brothers. Stop, 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 stop. Okay, stop. Okay, hang on. I got to get the Ari Melber clip. Everybody in the vaccine, Bobby Kennedy, the big uh, 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 rally yesterday. We're going to get to that tonight and tomorrow. We've got so much in that, but they're all over Capitol Hill right now meeting. Let me play the Ari Melber and Peter Navarro clip real quick before we go. Let me play lawyer for a minute and simply lay the predicate uh, for the discussion tonight. My role in um, the, what the Washington Post calls the coup, uh, we call the Green Bay sweep, was simply to look at the analysis of what happened in the election. I started that uh, on Thanksgiving Day of 2020. I completed three reports, which I'm sure you've read, Ari, and I hope you'll confirm that. <laughs> so delicious. Facial recognition Peter, patterns uh, confirmed. Uh, <laughs> that would be a no, sir. Ari, <laughs> Ari, Ari, I feel your, yeah. I feel your pain about controlling Navari. Thirty seconds, Peter, before we got to get out of here. Tell us, yeah. you put it right between his eyes. They had yes. not read any of the analysis, they sir. Had not, uh, read the report. And, you know, you, you, the bottom line is that all we wanted on January sixth was peace and calm on Capitol Hill to run the Green Bay sweep, Steve, and, and we did not get it. It's the best confirming evidence that, that, that Donald Trump is innocent of all charges that this insurrection is. This was a different cat, uh, Steve. Uh, the first Ari Melber thing I thought was more balanced yeah. um, and fair. This oh, this time a punch he, he, this he pulled this his tricks, out. but he, he came in unprepared. <laughs> Okay, be unprepared because he hadn't read the Navarro report. Okay, we're going to go back here at 5 o'clock. By the way, the buried lead bombshell, the committee, nobody's reached out to Peter Navarro. Hmm, I wonder why that is. Maybe they don't want that report in the official record. See you back here at 5 p.m. in the war room.